Milis Besuri is a producer and host at France Culture, the state-funded radio station. She has produced and hosted numerous programs over the past 17 years, including the Factory of History, Public Works, Surprised by the Night, and various summer series. Her first novel, The Third Time, was published by Gallimard in February 2020 and has just won the Goncourt Prize for First Novel. My Liss was born in Bordeaux and lives in Paris. From 2005 to 2010, she taught radio documentary production at the Institut des Médias de Paris. We're in Paris to talk about her first novel. Congratulations and thank you very much. Welcome to the Bibliophile again. It's lovely to be here. Okay, so passion usually has a role to play in writing. What were you passionate about when you decided to write this book? What was the inspiration? What happened to make you want to write this novel? Um, I think it was a kind of accident in a way because um, I wanted to write lyrics and I wanted to adapt novels for the radio and uh, I always wrote for my work as a journalist, as a broadcaster too and I started a novel when I was 25 and stopped after 50 pages. So there was always writing in my life as an everyday thing. I was running um, a daily program at the French National Radio and after a year I decided to stop. I went to a creative class uh, mostly to work to change my writing and to work in several directions uh, because I wanted to do creative things like lyrics and adaptations for radio and all that and so I just wanted to to go to this creative class and to see what happens it was only a, a two months thing and so I did and it was at Gallimard uh, at the publishing house they organized creative class which are quite separated from the publishing house run by uh, publishers most of the time or writers <laughs> there was this um, important publisher uh, called Jean-Marie Lagleftine at Gallimard who ran the, the class and I thought I would leave after the second class because everybody around the table was here to write a first novel and I wasn't there for that but I keep on going because I find it very interesting and the exercises, the way I had to use the writing in different ways and... Yeah, it was really quiet before we turned the <laughs> microphones on. All the trucks come for the interview. <laughs> That's right, they heard the introduction. And so I kept on going and I find it really interesting, but I had no plan for a novel. Right. But for the very last day of class, there was a, an exercise asked by the publisher, which was write the very first page and the very last page of your novel. Okay. And I thought, oh my God, what I'm going to do because I didn't have any novel. I had this idea uh, because Ireland is always in my heart, uh, it's a kind of second home for me and I go there since uh, I'm a teenager, since I was a teenager and I had this very strong uh, relation with uh, Irish literature and I thought about a subject uh, which came out when I was uh, making a documentary about James Joyce. It's 
the relations he had with Beckett when he was living in Paris in the, an area called Odeon, L'Odeoni in Paris. And the young Beckett met James Joyce, who was the master we know at the time, and he was very impressed. I wanted to... I, I thought about that, and I, I thought maybe I could, I could imagine something about the young Beckett discovering Paris and uh, working and, and for Joyce. Fictionalizing And fictionalizing. And I thought, oh, he has to be Beckett who's uh, telling the story because Beckett is the one who's, who, who spoke in French, who wrote in French. Yeah. So uh, it would be nice if it would be the old Beckett telling it because he would remember everything, you know, all his life in France, but also Ireland. He could have memories of everything. So Beckett kind of ate Joyce on the project. He kind of became the main character. Uh, it wasn't planned uh, like that, okay. you know? So I just wrote just a piece for, for creative class and uh, it was the very very end of the book which changed after that but the idea was there and so my idea was Beckett talking so as a, I as a first person the old Beckett remembering and um, I just had this scene imagining him from his bed talking mm -hmm. to himself as a kind of monologue mm -hmm. kind of limited and restricted like a lot of his characters are yeah, and uh, I also liked the oldness and the way of, the, you know, the memory can have some, you know, you can have some problem with memory and all that. And I like this as a kind of uh, dreamy, uh, dreamy state he could have from his bed, like we all have. Getting a bit lost yeah. between reality and the dream, and world. The dream world and yeah. the memory and everything is a big mixing. But it's, it's a kind of poetic in a way to have this confused, mm. but it's also a bit of a nightmare too, you know, because he can't really be sure of what he thinks. So I just wrote a piece of that and um, this day, for the very last day of class, um, the publisher asked me to read what you'd written what I, yeah in front of the class yeah so okay. i did and uh, there was a standing ovation no 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 we just discussed what happened but at the end of the class he asked me to have a meeting with him and another publisher and encouraged me to write the book so i just okay. did so again the the idea had always been percolating with you about joyce and Beckett meeting each other you'd always thought that that was fascinating and that you you'd like to turn it into a story I just had this feeling of Beckett I was fascinating by the fact that he was between two languages and the fact that he he wrote in a language which was, wasn't his own yeah. and always thought that he was still thinking partly in English and had the kind of journey all the time between French and English and I've always been fascinated by that and Joyce is in the book is very is an important character of the first part of the book and there's three parts in the book first time second time and third time but uh, I, I like this kind of journey between the two languages and it was a, a way for me to give back to Beckett's Irishness because you know in France we all forget that Beckett was Irish, actually. Right. You know, he wrote in French. Yeah. We, we had a kind of strong appropriation to <laughs> to Beckett because everybody loves his plays. Yeah. And uh, well, they were prose. written in French first. They were written they? in French. Murphy was written in English first, but uh, yeah, that's right. But um, because I um, I knew Ireland from a 
personal experience and I had very strong uh, uh, friendship there. Uh, I wanted to give you back just that. Went, you went there for summers, for holidays or what? Yes, yes, I went there and I met friends uh, when I was a teenager to learn English. And So you studied English there? Oh, just for summer. You had love affairs there? No, it's no. not. It wasn't about love affairs. I was I was twelve, and I oh, was okay. uh, in a family home, and uh, we had very strong friendships starting there. We've always been in contact since they're like my second family there, okay. and so I met a lot of friends there, and I mm. go there, and they go to to France, and so I had a very um, emotional uh, attached to to Ireland, and also I was very interested in in, in Irish literature. Hmm. I'm still not quite sure why you decided to write a novel about it, though. Is it what motivated you? What inspired you? It just happened. I don't think I really decided. I decided to go to a creative class, so I guess there was something. And you were prompted at the class. And, and it just it just came up. Yeah. It just came up as a, a subject, and the subject slowly changed because I made some change, and yeah. I found this voice which I imagine being the inside voice of Beckett talking to himself as an old man, which is mm -hmm. not the voice of Beckett writing, which no. is uh, another voice that I could create that would make me free to write whatever I wanted mm -hmm. without trying to write like Beckett. So it was a way to find my freedom inside the story. Yeah. But I liked the fact that he was talking as a first person too, because we are we are kind of uh, stuck into his mind. It's a mind of a writer, no matter if he doesn't really write anymore. The way he sees uh, the nursing home, people around him, mm. everybody is a kind of character. The way he observes the world is as if he's going to turn it into literature. He's telling himself stories, mm. watching out the windows and uh, imagining what, what's happening. And uh, the voices of people around, you know, people who stays in the home uh, are kind of it's like voices coming to his ears but we always the reader always see the world through Beckett's mind mm. so we will we always stay there it's like as this the nursing room became a kind of, of stage you know for a for a play and uh, a very tight place and in that place there's the, the bedroom he stays in the bedroom he, ref he doesn't want to to take part uh, of in activities or all that. He's a, a, an observer. Uh, yeah, he's a watcher. Yeah. That's what writers are, yeah. watchers, telling yeah. stories. And he, he keeps telling stories to himself in his mind, even if he's not writing anymore. So you knew his biography pretty well before you started writing the novel then? I knew pretty well his, his prose and his plays too. But uh, I read back, of course, I made some research, but the most important for me was to find a, a music uh, which would be uh, the way he was talking had to be close to what we know. I mean, we had to recognize him in a way, in the way he was talking to himself, but I didn't want to imitate his style, so I had to find a kind of uh, cousinhood or something like that. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but did there, there, there must be recordings of his voice that you listen to. Very few. Yeah. Very few. He didn't answer much interviews. There's now a convoy of trucks coming by. <laughs> the word is out. They must have 
on the uh, the radio. They must have radioed each other that our interview was taking place. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So you, you wanted to capture music, but there was Irish and French yeah. between the languages. For me, it was very fun because I wanted to, of course, to write a book in French, but I didn't want to write. French languages can be very dry in mm. a way. There are fewer words, quite a few yes, fewer words. Yes, that's the way it works at the mm. moment in literature. And I didn't want to write like that. And I didn't want to write in the old way, which would be the wonderful French of 19th century because it mm. wouldn't suit the book. Yeah. So I wanted to try to do something else and to have this journey myself between English thinking, oh, Maybe he's thinking about this expression in English. Oh, uh, skinny as a rail. So if I use it, the image of the rail in French, it would be ah maigre comme un chemin de fer. It would change my language. So I could contaminate, in a way, mm, French yeah. by English, and it would it would help me uh, creating something else. So I kind of played between the language, and especially the English. Uh, they speak an island, which is slightly different sometimes. And it was a lot of fun for me to, to think of uh, the signification of one word in French and in English. And sometimes there's some accidents because some words ex exist in the two languages but don't mean the same, same and sometimes yeah. can be really rude in French or in English. And he's having fun with that kind of accident of the language. Who is he addressing then? The book? It's uh, first person, so who's he? Do you, who would you say he's addressing? He's talking to himself. He's talking to himself. It's something that we're not supposed to hear. Okay, so he's honest. Yeah. That's an inside word. So he doesn't have to control the language, doesn't have to control mm -hmm. what he says. And what did you want to say with this novel? Well, the thing was to speak about oldness and to try to experience how deeply you stay the same person but how things change all around and this kind of perceptions of yourself and the, the world around you and especially when you're losing slowly your memory when you're not exactly the same, but you, you feel exactly the same person inside. And mm. I wanted to keep the writer Beckett. The, you know, he was a, a kind of, um, we say, tête brûlée in French. He liked to run fast, he liked excess, he liked to drink. He, he was uh, very brave as a kid, you know. He, yeah, he, he was used to dive, yeah, dive yeah. off high trees, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that, that's so memorable in one of the biographies I read. Yeah. In James Nelson biography, he Nelson insists on that, and uh, his mother was completely scared uh, because he was a bit out of control as a kid uh, and uh, putting himself in dangerous situations. And yeah. I wanted to keep that. And even then, with the the physio uh, at the nursing home, we try mm. to help me exercises, and uh, he has problem to walk, but he keeps taking risk, and and you know he's going to fall because. He likes to try to run and to, mm. to put himself in danger. He likes the thrill of it. And yeah. I wanted to keep that very alive thing. And even if 
the body is not uh, able to do whatever he wants, he's still the same person inside and uh, the mind is very vivid even if the body is a bit slower. And uh, I, want to, I, I like this contrast of the personality and it was very interesting for me to work on that. Well, yeah, the self being confined is such an important part of his work, or toward the end anyway. Yeah. Struggling with that. And that, laughing about that. Yeah. At the absurdity of it, I suppose. In a nursing home, everything is absurd. There's no reality. Everything mm. is fiction. I mean, the name of the meals, uh, the rules. There was a kind of... I find it very funny, and I, I, I thought that he would find it quite funny because, you know, the signs on the wall, the security rules you have to... Everything, the language they use and the professionals, uh, you know, has to use some language. And uh, I thought it would be a, a kind of uh, something he could use uh, to tell himself stories. I mean, uh, oh, I'm not supposed to do this and I'm not supposed to do that. And, uh, you know, the way I should, uh, I should call my nurse to go to my bath and how I will wash myself. And he's, there's the body, there's um, the very little things of everyday, you know, ordinary things. And there's kind of metaphysic thoughts about that too. And I like this uh, huge gap uh, in his work, in his writing, in Beckett's writing, that he can talk about very small things and it became very metaphysical. And uh, everything is in everything. And that's what you did in your novel. Oh, I don't think I did the same. And uh, I just wanted to to have a, a writer I, I love and admire with me to start writing and it was it was a kind of tribute and it was very mm. funny for me it wasn't uh, something like I'm going to compare myself to it uh, wasn't anything like that it no. was something like having uh, the shadow of this wonderful ghost in my in my head and it helped me to um, try to create uh, another word another kind of story. Mm -hmm. Do you worry that you're distorting the reality? I hope I do. But what I mean though is that my people might get upset that this is just, that just this didn't happen and, and uh, you know, they're uncomfortable with it. It's not at all a biography. It's, no, I know it's, it's fiction. fiction. Yeah. I do know that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that some people get concerned about fictionalizing real people's lives. Well, at the very beginning of the book, Beckett's become a character. He became one of one of his own character, I would say, in a way. You know, an old man who's uh, having trouble to walk, and yep. uh, and he, he became something else. He became Sam. The character is called Sam. Yeah. And um, I felt very free to do whatever I wanted because. He became a character. You now, did you work with this editor at Gallimard on an ongoing basis? Then, after he said, "Please submit something to me." Well, I gave him the book when it was almost, um, almost halfway, and just to have a first reading and to tell him, you know, that's what I'm doing. And he liked the first half, so I kept on going <laughs> and. Uh, 
and there's a committee in Gallimard, so okay. he can't choose himself, you know, there must be two readers, Okay. and there's a choice during the committee, so it's a whole process, so I knew that uh, it wasn't because he encouraged me to do the book that it would be published no, at it, the end. No, it wasn't a guarantee. Oh, absolutely not, uh, and he told me that all the way, and, um, but um, happily it had been accepted. So well, it helps to have an insider, of course. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, of course, of course. It's interesting that you know, Gallimard used to, uh, now is it NFR? Yeah. They famously have this important literary magazine. NRF. And it's a way of attracting interesting, good, new, young writers. It seems to me that this seminar that they're putting on is serving the same purpose for them, in know. a way. In I a way, know. it's they can have a look at some interesting new writers mm. if they're the ones that are hosting the seminar, right? And that's a way for them to make money too, I guess. Yeah, but that's also separated activities. I mean, a lot of people are doing the, the creative class just to learn. Not everybody is, is going to, to write after that. It is the wish of all the yeah. students to have what happened to you, though, yeah. to happen, really. Especially, it's it's uh, it's called night classes. You know, it's it's only uh, eight session in two yeah. months, so it's not like uh, in university or when it would be a long process. Okay, so let's have a look then. Just finally about the character himself. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on on that, but so what? internal journey does Sam go on? <laughs> well, uh, when, he, when he's just arrived at the, the Tiertan, which is the name of the nursing home. Yeah, which um, you checked out, right? I checked out, I went there and it was so funny that the name of the nursing home, the Tiertan, uh, would be, in English it's different, it's, it's difficult to translate because temps would be time, but it could yeah. be while a while also and so it's it's always written in his place you know as instructions you know un temps so it's like you have to wait for a while and then the next scene and so it was like in his in his place you know the third time and uh, he would i thought it would suit him very well so when you arrived there he he fell when he was at home and um he had to go there because wasn't really able to walk on his own for a while and he was shaking probably a Parkinson's disease we're not sure about that but okay. there was a suspicion about that at the very beginning of the book um, his wife Suzanne died okay. and it was a it was a big shock uh, for him and he wakes up one morning and he's there at the nursing home and like we all are sometimes he's a bit sleepy he's not quite sure where he is that's the very beginning and uh, he has to remember she's not there anymore which is a way to think about everybody who died before him and he's traveling looking out the window seeing trees and he's looking he's traveling to Ireland in his mind and he's thinking oh I can't be in Dublin if I was in Dublin there would be this and that there would be there would be birds and there would be so he's thinking about what's around him but trying to place himself where he is? Yeah, in a way, but that's that's also like a dream which keeps on going. Oh, 
I, I couldn't be in Dublin. If I was in Dublin, I would hear the birds and I would hear this and that. And uh, oh, and oh, she's not there, so she's dead. And his he, his memory is kind of it's like fragments. Okay. And then he puts himself together, and there is kind of the association. One word leads to another word. But that's also a kind of play he has with himself because the different meanings of the words would bring a new subject, you know. A word comes and there's another meaning of the word, so another subject arrives, you know. So we kind of uh, reading what happens to his mind and we have this wonderful mind he had so bright and so funny and uh, we have access to everything which is usually forbidden between between dreams nightmares and uh, what he thinks but would never say nurses and physio doctors talk to him address and uh, he always answer in his mind for us the reader so that's that's the process of the book and we do have some information about him through um, medical papers which I put in the book, which I invented too, <laughs> they didn't exist, would be the nurse saying, oh, Mr. Beckett uh, woke up this morning and ate that and went for a walk and everything. The reader has some information about why he's here and what happened before, or uh, his size and uh, the way he looked at the time. So we had the very cold uh, medical view of uh, this wonderful man, Nobel Prize, was considered as a you know, human being, but like an animal at the zoo, you know, that's what happened in nursing home. And uh, no matter how nice people are, that's a very cold way of seeing mm -hmm. people. And we have access to what he thinks, which is completely different, <laughs> which is uh, his point of view, mm -hmm. very dark and full of humor and uh, thoughts about the words. But how does he change? Does he change? Um, if he's taking a bath, the water would lead him to the cold sea, the cold Irish sea, you know. Everything can make him travel to Ireland in his mind and his memories. He sees a scarf and he remembers the way he was attacked by a knife as a young man. So uh, he, his own body and uh, what he sees around him uh, brings memory of okay. previous life. So once you'd finished the manuscript, did you hand it to the guy that was the editor in the class? Yeah. So he took it for you. Took it to the to the committee. Took it there to was the a second reader. Yeah. No, the publisher who read the the book. Okay. And uh, she's called Maud Simonou. That's interesting. Maud is an yeah, Irish name. Yeah. Yeah. Mode Simino. Yeah, Mode as the muse of Yitz, Mode yes, Gone. Yes. Yeah. And so they brought it to the committee, and then that's the decision of um, Antoine Gallimard himself, you know. He's so who's Antoine, is Antoine Claude's son? Yeah. Okay. And he's the president of the company, and he oversees everything? The, well, he's, he's running the committee. But uh, he's yeah. working with the committee. Yeah, the, uh, but he's making sure. decisions. And if there's a if there's a decision to make, he makes it. Yeah, with the, the advice and the yeah yeah, yeah the point of view of the okay. editors. But I'm not the Which specialist of the <laughs> Gallimore committee. No. I've never been there. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 
You did you get the call from him? No, from my publisher. My publisher told me. Jean-Marie Lacleftine, the publisher, told me. Not Antoine. No, 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 that he has been accepted. And then what happened? Well, I made a few change in the book. Not much, really not much, very few. And then the book was out in February, in 6th of February. Did you, go, you didn't go to the printing press and watch it being printed? Well, you know, that's the, the normal process. Like, you have the first proof and then... You make some yep. change, a yep. second proof, and you yep. check it. Galleys. Yep. Yeah. So, but nothing special <laughs> during okay. that process. Yeah. Okay. It was published in Gallimard's traditional kind of cream yeah. color. Yeah. In paperback. Yeah. Which is okay. called the white collection. Yeah. The white collection. Yeah. Even though it's cream. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And is that? A collection of first No, no, that's, no. that's the regular Just collection. Regular. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Because I know in the past they used to have a series of first hmm. novelists' novels, a special series. Okay. But that was, it was, yeah, like 80 years ago or something. Uh, okay, so did you get a package of them and you tore open the package? Um, I went to sign the first uh, copies for the press, you know, for the journalists. So you discover your book printed and uh, there was a, a little uh, jacket, uh, you know, oh, a little A little uh, strip around strip, it yeah, with in red? The, yeah, with the, with the face of Beckett, a beautiful picture of Beckett uh, as an old man. And it was wonderful to have him somewhere. Uh, in the book, yeah, uh, for chance, <laughs> in a way, and uh, and uh, as it was a tribute for him, so I was very happy to see him there. And so I just discovered the book, signed a few copies for journalists, and it was, it's a very moving to see it on, on paper. Yeah. That's Gallimard's paper, it's a beautiful paper. Mm. And how, lo how big was the first run, do you know? How many copies? Mm, 5,000? Uh, I guess four. Thousand, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it has been reprinted after. So you were saying that you the book came out in it was when in, on the sixth of February. So five weeks after there was a lockdown in France. Okay, so you, it had started to sell. You were getting uh, I, yeah. excited about that, and then I bang. had a lot of reviews. Actually, I was very lucky. And then after five weeks, yeah, the lockdown was decided, and I kept on. Having interviews on the phone or um, a bit, yeah. but uh, nobody could buy the book. Well, they could buy it online, couldn't they? A bit, but um, there were a few copies left, you know. Uh, so you, could, the first you could buy. You could buy on uh, as a um, I don't know how do you call it, like Kindles or. Uh, oh, electric. Yeah, ebook. Ebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay, so the lockdown happens. I thought the book was dead, but actually. It wasn't the main subject because it was a kind of tragedy and uh, in France the situation was pretty hard, as you might know. So it wasn't the main subject. 30,000 people died in France from the Covid, so it was a very sad time. Uh, but it was a very sad time for, uh, for books too and for uh, bookshops and uh, for creative people in general. Yeah. Okay. Everything was suspending for a long time and nobody knew for how long. And still, a lot of events. 
events like speak. all over the world are, you know, yeah. cancelled and... Okay, so uh, then what happened? Then um, the Goncourt Academy, which is uh, an important uh, prize in, in, in France, decided to give the prize of uh, the springtime of the first novel on the day the lockdown was over. That was okay. the 11th of May. And so I knew I was on the shortlist. We were three people on the, three writers on the shortlist for uh, the Goncourt of the first novel. So to help the, the bookshops, they decided uh, to give the prize on the day uh, they reopened the shops. <laughs> so everyone went tearing out to get their copy then, I in know, person. Well, I did in person, but I was very lucky to, to want that because I was very happy that the book could find a way to survive. I was uh, going to say that Gallimar wouldn't have known that you were going to win. So where where did they have all where did they get all the extra copies if they were it was announced on the 11th? Yeah, printers. This we're working uh, again after the 11th of May, so okay. it has been reprinted yeah. uh, just after that. It was a kind of um, happy news, and everything reopened. It was another wave then. Yes, absolutely. It uh, was another wave of sales, what, another wave of interviews, I guess? And there was this very particular thing, is that the book is a very confined book, as you said yourself. So a lot of journalists interviewed me about the fact that we were all in lockdown for so many weeks. Of course, yeah. And that's this, bo this book is made like this, you know. The story is about being locked down in a nurse and Beckett can't really socialize and it's about that thing, loneliness and all that. And so there was a kind of strange echo between the way the book was written, what it was about nursing home, you know, it was a, it was a tragedy in France too and all over yeah. the world, what happened to all people in nursing home, so many people died and uh, my book was just taking place in a, in a nursing home all the book long. So there was a kind of strange echo. Synchronicity or something. Yes, yeah. so yeah. I was uh, interviewed a lot about that too. And so obviously sales were up, interviews were up, what else happened? after the, the the prize anything else yeah just the week after um like 10 or 11 um uh, publishers foreign publishers decided to buy the rights to translate the book in uh, several languages so it's been very lucky because um the book is going to be translated in Portuguese, Brazil, in Albanese, in, uh, in Arabic, in Chinese, Japanese, or, you know, in several languages, so... And this is all something that Gallimar put together for you. They arranged it. Yeah, 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 that's what happens. Okay. They also are in contact with uh, foreign publishers. I, I don't know all, all the process because no, no. <laughs> um, they all do their jobs and I'm not in in the middle of the process, but um, that's but what they, happened. They're uh, negotiating on your behalf though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, like, like, yeah. like publishers do. Yeah. Uh, well, they don't in North America. This is what agents do. That's what makes North America so different from France. Although there are, there are agents, more and more literary agents in France. Yeah, but we still, it's still not the main no, it's not the main thing, no, you know, usually no. you work with your publisher. So you have no intention of getting a literary agent? Well, I haven't thought about that at the okay. moment. Okay. 
Okay, so increased sales, coverage. What was the event like? What was the Goncourt Gala like? Or did they, they haven't, <laughs> I well, guess they haven't had one. They couldn't, it couldn't <laughs> happen. So I, I, I wrote to the jury to, <laughs> to thank them. And uh, they wrote me back this beautiful email I had from um, Philippe Claudel which uh, ran the, the prize and... Uh, okay, he's, and the, he's the chairman of it, isn't he? Well, of the first Nobel Prize. Oh, yes, and, okay, uh, okay. The, he wrote me a, a lovely email about the book and uh, the way he was waiting for the second book, the second novel. Oh, okay, and, yeah. <laughs> um, So it was, it was very nice. And at the end of June, we had a, a meal together. Just so the, the three laureates, you know, the, there's a concours for a biography. Yes. First novel and um, uh, short stories. Okay. And so the three laureates who have been invited to... What uh, about the novel, the, just the novel it, itself? It's not in, in springtime, it's during autumn. So the three laureates, uh, we went to the, the restaurant Drouot, which is a uh, very known place for them. Goncourt Academy, L'Hôtel Drouot. It's the name of D -R -O -U -I -N. the restaurant. D-R-O-U-I-N. A-N-T. So we had a, a lunch, a nice lunch with uh, the members of the jury and uh, the laureates uh, in a very small committee because it wasn't allowed to be with journalists and everybody because it was too many people for the, the COVID situation. Okay. But we had a lunch together and it was, it was wonderful to meet them. Okay. Anything else about the process that you want to add that, uh, that's happened to you as a result of all of this? You're happy about it. You sad. Oh, I'm very happy and <laughs> grateful. And uh, the the funny thing is uh, the addiction that uh, arrived very quickly. Like I st starting to write, and first it was uh, difficult for me to write more than a couple of hours every day because I was completely racked, tired. After that, it took me all my I don't know my my energy to to write. And uh, after a while, I get more and more involved in the process and um, I was writing all day and getting completely crazy and uh, at the end of the book I couldn't stop because the book wasn't finished so I was writing every day including weekends and all the time and I couldn't fin finish because I was tired but I couldn't stop until it was finished so it was a kind of circle and uh, some friends went to went over for a few days some Irish friends uh, from New York they live in New York and uh, I had to stop a bit because I was hosting people and when they they were there uh, I just after a few days I went uh, well I started to work again on the book and when I read the the last lines of the manuscript I thought I had just to finish the end you know but then when I read it actually it was finished oh, that's but good. I didn't notice when I was doing it mm. but I had to take a few step backs for a, a few days to understand that the book was already finished and I couldn't finish it because it was already done <laughs> so what about the binding? Do they do a beautiful binding for the winner of the Goncourt? Do they do anything? Do they do that with the Booker? They actually give you a fantastic, beautiful, bound copy of the book. Yeah. Do they give you a no. little a little statue or something? Or no, no. We just had the prize. You just had the meal. That was it. And the money, I guess. The meal was wonderful, and there's. Is the there price. money, or is it just there's, the? There's, yeah, there's a bit of money too. How much money? 
I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't. I if don't you know. aren't, then let's not that's, say it. Then. You know, that's. Uh, but uh, if it's not public, then I don't know. Okay. Actually, I don't. Know. <laughs> okay. I didn't know before. <laughs> but um, but the main thing is to meet those um, those writers too. You know. The judges. Uh, yeah, yeah, who have read so well your work yeah. and uh, to talk with them about the. You know what they liked and what they didn't like, and what you think about doing next, and uh, what moved them, what um, has to be improved or not. It's very interesting to to have this kind of conversation with uh, very experienced uh, writers too. You know, they are with all different kind of writers too. Yeah. I enjoyed meeting them. I know publishers; they'll look at someone like you, and they'll figure, okay, so how many how many books? Is she good for? That's how they're looking at you. Is, is she good for ten more books, or a book a year, or a book every ten years, or so? How many books are you good for? I don't know. Uh, I'm writing the second book at the moment. Um, I'm writing the second novel, so I don't know how many I'm going to to write. But uh, I'm pretty addicted, as I told you. Addicted to the actual writing, or the idea of finishing it and doing this again. Um, both, I'd say, mm -hmm. it became a kind of second life. Yeah, you're living in a, in another world, right? <laughs> I don't know, but I, maybe it's uh, I'm living in the world and uh, in the world of writing. Well, I, plus you've got kids. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what, like a lot of people they, do. No, of course. I'm just saying that that would bring you back to this world pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But Wouldn't I find it? it wonderful to have this. Uh, possibility to spend your time imagining and uh, trying to make it right and to to stick to a um, to a project and to to finish it until the end until you're completely tired until you're completely involved in it yeah, it must be wonderful exhilarating you know. it is when you were talking i just was reminded of a of a quote and i think it's disraeli I think it's Benjamin Disraeli that said that you have to believe in magic if you're going to believe in reality. From just throw it out there for for what it's worth. Well, all the artists has to believe in magic. I mean, <laughs> it's a magical process in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing the magic. Thank you very uh, much. With me. Good to hear uh, how it's done in uh, France. I've been speaking with Mylis Bessurie, who is a producer and host at France Culture in Paris. Thanks again. Thanks.